Welcome to the God is the Issue podcast with Brad Bright. I'm your host, Jim Brangenberg. Think about it. Our view of God determines what we think on all moral, cultural, and economic issues. It even determines how we vote. Hope for the future of our country and our world lies in our ability to make God the issue in every issue. Today, we're broaching the subject of being a loner. Is it a trait that is longed for or a trait that is despised? Brad Bright says that there's an African saying, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And there's another saying, change only occurs as we work in unison with other like-minded individuals. What's the truth here? Is it okay to be a loner or is it better to be a leader? Brad Bright, welcome to the God is the Issue podcast. Great to be here, Jim. This is going to be a fun conversation. All right, so help me out here. Can you give us some examples of where a major win was attributed to a group of unified folks instead of a single loner? Like Hitler, he was doing pretty good. Well, but there are a whole group of people around him too. But, but let's, let's look at history. Okay, go ahead. Uh, William, William Wilberforce, he was a member of parliament in the late 1700s, early 1800s. He's credited with overturning the slave trade of the British Empire. Phenomenal job. But here's the problem. William Wilberforce was only the mouthpiece. He worked hard. He, he ruined his health. He worked so hard in overturning the slave trade, but he didn't do it alone. There was another group called the Clapham sect from Clapham, London. That's where they got their name, Clapham. That They all came around William Wilberforce. They were businessmen. They were intellectuals. They were wealthy donors. And they all worked together toward a common goal. And by working together, they ended the slave trade. Could they have done it with William, without William Wilberforce? No. But could William Wilberforce have done that with, without the intellectuals, without the activists, without the donors? No. They worked together. They worked in lockstep, unison toward a goal. And because of that, because they work together today, the, the slavery has been outlawed through the entire British Empire. These were all believers who worked together. But then you look at what? At maybe Lenin. We've all heard of Lenin, right? And he changed the course of history, right? Well, yes, but he didn't do it alone. The very beginning, he stood up at, at, at the meeting and said, as they were debating what the qualifications for, for, uh, for membership would be in the Communist Party, he got up and said, nothing but total and complete commitment. Nothing but total and complete commitment. And that day, 17 other men walked out with him. 14 years later, those folks took over one of the largest nations in, in, on the globe, Russia. 150 million people. How did 17 men do that? They worked together in lockstep. And you look at our own history, the American Revolution. It began with the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence. And what did Benjamin Franklin say? He said, we must indeed all hang together, or most assuredly, we all hang separately. They hung together and they changed the course of history. So those are just some examples, but, but you, you, you can't change anything alone. And that's why I say I talk about it in God is the issue, is be a leader, not a loner. All right, so what kind of example did Jesus set? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is what Jesus modeled, isn't it? Be a leader, not a loner. Jesus began with 12 disciples. He didn't go out and do it alone. He began with 12 followers. And here's the thing. Well, he did have 12 followers, but when Jesus sent his disciples out, did he ever send them out alone? No. He always sent them out with pairs, right? Except, what was the one exception to that? You know what the one exception was when he sent, out, sent out one of his disciples out alone? Mm, uh, I'm not thinking of it under pressure. The guy's name is Judas. Oh, Judas, I was going to say, except for Judas, yeah, go and do what you're going to do. 
Judas, go, go do whatever you're going to do, which was he was going to betray Jesus. And that's the only time Jesus has ever recorded sent his disciples out alone. Always before they sent him out in pairs or more. And even Jesus didn't go anywhere alone except to pray. Jesus always had disciples with him. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm going to take a step back for a minute. Let's define leader and loner. Because I think we jumped in. Your, your assumption is it's absolutely way better to be a leader than a loner. But let's define loner versus leader. Well, I, I, it, 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 in the most simplest form, it means I go do it with somebody, right? Whatever I do, I do with somebody. I do it in conjunction with them. I don't try to accomplish things on my own, in my own resources. And there's a, there's a, there's a practical reasons for that. One, we all need accountability. Two, we all need encouragement, don't we? When the curveballs come, if there's no one to encourage us, what do we do? We get discouraged, and it's so much easier to stop, so much easier to give up when we're alone. That's, I think, one of the practical reasons Jesus always sent the disciples out in pairs. But there's more reasons for it even than that. The reality is you cannot change anything of significance alone. To bring about any sort of substantive change, especially on a culture-wide basis, you've got to be working in close lockstep with other like-minded individuals. It's just practical. To do it alone, you can't do it alone. All right. So the last apostle was Paul, formerly Saul of Tarsus, a Pharisee, a religious leader. And then he had a, a miraculous conversion on the road to Damascus. How did Paul operate his ministry? Because he well, was kind of a, he was a he was kind of a loner leader if, if, as part of the Pharisees. He was. I don't know. Explain what happened. Well, no, but but uh, you know, I don't. It, the scripture doesn't give us a lot of insight to how he operated beforehand, but after he came into the kingdom, and you look at his missionary journeys, he never went on any of his missionary journeys alone. The first one was Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas. The second one was Paul and Silas, and Timothy had joined them along the way. And you look at how Paul did ministry. He was always doing ministry. He was always with people. And and almost by definition, you can't do ministry alone. Frankly, if you try to do ministry alone, it'll beat you up. I remember after I left politics, in my first year on campus at the University of Washington on staff of the Campus Crusade for Christ, I'd be on campus six to eight hours, and I'd be wiped out. And it's like, I thought, why, why, why am I wiped out? I, when I was in politics, I'd routinely work 14, 16-hour days, consistently, day in and day out. And I'd come home with more energy than I came after, after six to eight hours on campus. Why? Ministry requires you to give of yourself. So it's even more important that when you're involved in ministry, you're involved with other people. You're, you're in the saddle with them. You're not doing it alone. Ministry will wear you out if you do it alone. Well, more about being a lo- not being a loner, but being a leader. Being a leader, not being a loner. When we come back from this break, make sure you check us out online, brightmedia.org, brightmedia.org. Hang on. Want to know more about how you can make God the issue in every issue? Get your copy of Brad's book, God is the Issue. Now in its third edition, you can get your ebook copy at brightmedia.org. Even better, if you subscribe to this podcast, you'll receive a coupon for one free download of God is the Issue ebook. Go to brightmedia.org, that's brightmedia.org, and get God is the Issue ebook today. 
Hey, welcome back to the God is the Issue podcast with Brad Bright. I'm Jim Brangenberg, and we're having a conversation today about being a leader, not a loner. And Brad, in the first segment, you're saying, hey, nobody ever gets anything done alone. That's why we need to be leaders, not loners. And you give examples of Jesus and the Apostle Paul and the American Revolution and, and the end of slavery. What's the point of this whole discussion? Well, the point is, is if we want to change culture, we've got to get out of our silos, right? We've got to get out of thinking, I've got to do it and start thinking, how can we do it? Because the point is, loners are losers. They are. That's not very nice. That's not nice. Well, well, it's not because they're bad people. It's because you can't accomplish anything of significance within a cultural context alone. Change only occurs as we work in close unison with others who are like-minded. History's clear. You, you can't do it alone. That's why I say loners are losers, because loners will lose every single time. Okay, that makes sense. And that's not near as mean as I thought you meant. Okay, all right. <laughs> so what can we do? In, in, in light of this conversation, needing to be leaders, not loners, what can we do? Stop, stop doing it alone and start being in intentional about doing it with others. And, and what I tell people to do is, is go form what I call a community action group, right? It's a band of brothers, so to speak, where I've got your back, you've got my back. We, we all are, are, are together kind of toward the same goal. It's not just a small group. You know, there are a lot of small groups in churches that are simply kumbaya groups. They, we, we go there, we feel good, but we don't really take action. There, there's a lot of talking and discussion. There may be a little bit of accountability, but they're not outward focused. A community action group doesn't stop at accountability and encouragement. It says, how can we go out and make a difference together? That's the difference. Hmm. And really, that's, that's what the church is supposed to be about. I mean, what a great idea. All right, so what did Paul do? How did Paul become a leader? I mean, how did, how did, what did Paul do? I think one of the best examples of, of Paul modeling what it meant to, to lead, be a leader, not a loner, was when he was in Ephesus, you know, in Acts chapter 19. Paul's in Ephesus. He preached the gospel for, what, about three months in the synagogue, and most of the folks reject him, but some people follow him. And so after being rejected for three months by most of the folks, he takes the disciples out. They go over to the school of Tyrannus, and he starts teaching the new believers, the new disciples, every day. And for the next two years, he's teaching and teaching and teaching. So what happens during that time? Well, so during those two years, the entire province of Asia heard the gospel. Now think about this. Paul stays in Ephesus the whole time, down on the coast. And the province of Asia is about the size of the state of Connecticut. But they had no cell phones, no, no, no televisions, no internet, no planes, no trains, no cars. And yet every Jew and Gentile in, in the province of Asia heard the gospel. How did it happen? It happened because Paul began building his life into the lives of others. It was more than just training. It was imparting training, but also the spirit behind the training of helping them learn to walk with God. But they did it together, folks. They did it together. It was a very relational process, and Paul was intentional about that relational process. He activated people. It was more activating people even than activating the cause. He did it with and through people. And, and when you look at the result of Paul's actions, how much of the world was impacted by what Paul did? 
how much the world, the whole world's been impacted by what Paul did. And when you see this, when you see the progression, you realize what happened really started at Ephesus and it continued to grow throughout the world to this day. Right. We are here because Paul used the Roman Empire to spread the gospel across the planet. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. All right. So what kind of discussion and discipleship do you imagine happening in these community action groups? I mean, what, what do you see happening? Well, I, I, what I love is there's a group called New, New Generations, and I've met the guy who, who's the leader. I don't know a lot about them, but they have four questions that I think are phenomenal questions. It's what, I, what they would call the four, the four questions of discipleship. And the first one is, is when you come to Scripture, and I say not just when you come to Scripture, when you come to anything you're reading, especially together, is your first question is, what does it say? Like, just comment, so what did I just read? What did it say? And the second question is then, what does it mean? And those are both internal questions, right? That's trying to figure it out. But then the third question is, what can I do? Oh, now we're starting to have some action occur as a result. What can I do? It begins to go from thought to action. And then the fourth question is, who can I tell? And that fourth question takes it out and makes it outward focused. It's like, how, how can I use this information to impact the lives of other people? Who needs to hear this? What I just learned, who needs to hear this? I mean, those are four phenomenal questions. Whether you're talking about scripture, which is a great way to scripture, or whether you, you sit down and you read a book together with a group of people to ask those four questions, it, it not only helps you understand it, but it helps you take it out and apply it to, to, to create change. Okay, but what does this have to do with leadership? I mean, you know, you're talking about, we're talking about being a leader, not a loner. What does discipleship have to do with leadership? Well, that fourth question, who can I tell? What does a leader do? A leader goes out and engages other people, right? Then try to do it. He goes out and engages other people. Who can I tell is the ultimate, ultimate engagement question of how can I go out and impact the lives of others? It's very relational. Leaders are relational if they're, if they're going to be effective long-term. And the point of all this, and I keep going back to the point because you know, people are going, well, I didn't turn into a leadership podcast. This is God as the issue. And I know we're going to talk about that in the next segment, about making God the issue in every issue, including leadership, because there's such a deep deficit of leadership in our country today. You're listening to the God is the Issue podcast with Brad Bright as we talk about be a leader, not a loner. When we come back, we're going to make God the issue in this issue and encourage you as to why being a leader is making God the issue. We'll be right back. Brad Bright travels the country speaking and training people how to make God the issue in every issue. Go to brightmedia.org, that's brightmedia.org, to find out how you can bring Brad's highly interactive workshop to your area. It's fun, engaging, and most important, it will help make you more effective in making God the issue in every issue. Go to brightmedia.org, that's brightmedia.org, and schedule Brad today. Hey, welcome back to God is the Issue, a podcast dedicated to you, our listeners, of making God the issue in every issue. Today, talking about being a leader, not a loader, not a loner. That didn't come out right, is what I meant to come out with. A little bit of a Minnesota accent coming out there. Brad, let's, let's keep digging deep in this. Being a leader, not a loner. As we close out our discussion for today on being a leader, not a loner, can you give us an example from your past that describes what we're talking about today? Well, I grew up around Campus Crusade for Christ. My parents started Campus Crusade for Christ. So this is what I grew up around. And we had what we called 
action groups. And the action group was designed to do three things. This is train people how to win, win people for Christ, build them in their faith, and send them out. We call it win, build, send. Winning is outward focused, right? Then building is more inward focused. That's building the person in their faith. But then what do you do? Then you send them out. What do you send them out to do? You send them out to win the next person and build the next person. So it has, it's outward, inward, outward. So it, so much of it is outward focused. That's how you build leaders. That's how we built leaders is by winning them, building them, and sending them. If you want to develop a leader, you have to send them out to do something with what you, you, you've given them. And in this case, leadership is all about building the relationship so you can build the person. How does this impact culture? If you put into that model, outward, inward, outward, how does that impact the culture? Well, we engage the culture, right? We go out, we engage the culture, we have the conversations. And when we have the conversations, some people will respond. What happens when they respond? We bring them into relationship. We begin to teach them. We, we teach them out of our lives. It's not just head knowledge. It's the relational knowledge as well. We develop those bonds, bonds between brothers. And so we begin to function in unison together. And as we do, then we do what? We go back out and reach the next folks. But now when I'm going out, it's not just me going out. I have another person going out with me that I've poured my life into. And their lives have been changed because they've been exposed to the living God. And I begin to teach them. And now they're at the point where they can begin to teach others. And that's actually, folks, what you call discipleship. Hmm. That's really all it is. Outward, inward, outward. All right, if our listeners want to start a community action group, what would it look like as far as an outline of discussion and activity? Let's give them, a, let's well, give them an action plan. Yeah, I, I, would, I would start with, well, you can start anywhere, really. Start, what, what is it that you're all passionate about? So that's, that's the common point. That's the common point. Is start with what you're passionate about and start reading stuff that has to do with that, learning together, asking the questions, kicking the tires. But now here's what I'm going to encourage you to do, though, very early on. Start asking some of the basic questions of the faith. Who is God? You may think you know who God is. I would dig deeper. My dad said all, I heard him say all of his life, the most important thing to teach another believer is the attributes that is the characteristics of God. Why? Because you can't trust someone you don't know. If you don't know who God is, you won't trust him. If you don't trust him, the Christian life will never work for you, not the way God intended. So start asking the, the who is God questions. And, and read stuff that has to do with that. Then, then talk about the spirit-filled life. You know, Jesus gave us his spirit to equip us to be effective. So if we're not relying on his spirit every moment of every day, we're not going to be very effective. In fact, Jesus told the disciples, go to Jerusalem and wait until the spirit has come upon you. Why? These are guys who've been with Jesus three and a half years. He trained them, right? But he said, sit there and be quiet until the spirit comes upon you because Jesus knew they couldn't do it in their own strength. He gave us the spirit for the reason. So go, go learn about it. If you don't understand the spiritual life, go learn about it. Dig into it. Then, then find out how you can introduce others to Christ. My wife, we, we got married. She was chatting. and She said, you know, when I first started, I started this journey. If someone said, can you, could you lead someone, introduce someone else to Jesus Christ? She said, well, yeah, if you give me five hours, I can. But lots of times there's not five hours. And frankly, we ought to know what are the things a person needs to know in order to start a relationship with Jesus Christ so we can teach them. But then start talking about what does the Bible say about the cultural issues? You see, how I feel, how you feel about the cultural issues really doesn't matter. What matters is how does God feel about a lot of these issues? And you know what's interesting? 
as I studied more and more and more in the scriptures, I realized some of my views were a little off. And I've had to change my views over time in light of what the scripture says. Now, I was one of those guys, I was raised with great teaching in the scripture, and yet I still had to go and dig down. So I encourage you, dig into the scriptures. What does is, what is the Bible say about these issues? And then how can I make God the issue in the culture every day? And you can do it a million different ways. But my dad's, my dad's story was a, was a little example of this. He was a young agnostic businessman in Hollywood. And one of the business guys he got to know was one of the leaders of the business community that he really admired, who took an interest in him. And he was over at his house one day. And the guy said to him, he said, you know, making money is great, but the most important thing in my life is Jesus Christ. And my dad internally went, what? What on earth are you talking about? And the guy didn't belabor it. He just went on, just part of the conversation. As a result, my dad went and studied. You know what? Jesus. Who is Jesus? Was he really who he said he was? And he came to the conclusion Jesus was who he said he was, all because of one comment from a businessman that he admired. See, we can be doing that every day. It doesn't have to be pray with me today. It's, it's being the salt and light in culture every day. As God gives us opportunities to, to close the deal with non-believers, great. But a lot of it is just that daily conversation that we're bringing God into the conversation. Well, and you can't do that if you're a loner. You can only do that if you're a leader. Brad, any final thoughts? Well, I've, that's it. Be a leader, not a loner. It's, you can only change the world as you work in the unison with others. You can only change America as you work in close unison with others. You know, start being outward oriented, outward focused. It's not just, it's not about you. It's about what God can do through you in the lives of others. So, but in the midst of all of it, don't forget to make God the issue. Be a leader, not a loner, and change the world. Thanks, Brad Bright. Jim, thank you so much. Thanks for joining us today on the God is the Issue podcast. Remember, check us out online, brightmedia.org, brightmedia.org. Remember, always be kind, compassionate, and shrewd while making God the issue in every issue.